many of you are joining us online. We are so glad you're with us. And uh, before I get into what I want to say, I do want to call out the Raise the Granola Bar. Isn't that great? That is a Daniel Park original. And it is a joke like fine wine that gets better with time. So each year we'll be doing that and we'll be bringing out the Raise the Bar joke and, and it'll just, every year it'll be funnier. So that gives you something to look forward to every school year. And those of you watching on Line, you look for that too, because that's a special deal. So I was a senior in high school. I was not a member of the basketball team. I was too short and too slow. But I had a number of friends who were. And we got to the point where we had, our team had to win a game to get out of district. They lose and they're done. They beat the team and they have to play them again because they'd lost once. The problem was their team had their, the best player in the state of Texas name was Rudy Woods. He was six foot eleven. And if you know basketball, college basketball landscape at all, he got an in-home visit from Dean Smith at the University of uh, North Carolina, one of the powerhouses, traditional powerhouses. He got an a, uh, in-home visit from Joe B. Hall, University of Kentucky, one of the traditional powerhouses. He ended up going to Texas A&M, and uh, his first year in college, he was the freshman of the year in the Southwest Conference, so he was pretty good. And he was 6'11", and our biggest guy was 6'4". And I was a little dissuaded by that, but it, it came home to me when I went down. I don't know if I go to the bathroom or to get some popcorn. I'm down on the floor just when they're coming in. And I've never seen a guy 6'11". And I just thought, oh, my word. He's really tall. And, and I got back to my seat, and I said to the guys I was sitting with, there, there's no way. Well, it turns out we beat them that game, and then we beat them in the playoff game, and our team made the state semis. But I was a doubter. I had seen something that dashed my hopes. It's a basketball game. It doesn't matter. But there are things in life that, that do matter, that dash our hopes, like a cancer diagnosis, like a broken relationship, like a job loss, like a kid who's rebelling. And I could go on. Here's my question. Where's our hope when there's no hope in sight? Where's our hope when there's no hope in sight? We're going to talk about that this morning. So if you've got a Bible or you're following along at home, if you would open that to Ruth chapter 1, we're going to go through this chapter and as we do, wrestle with this question, where's our hope when there's no hope in sight? Now, this will be the first of four weeks We'll spend in the book of Ruth, a um, little background. Ruth is set in the time of Judges. Uh, the, book, the time of the Judges was about 1380 B.C. to about 1000 B.C.-ish. Real dark time in the history of the nation of Israel. Um, they conquered the land. They came in. They settled it. And then they rebelled against God, the very God who brought them out of Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea, the ten plagues, the Red Sea, opened the Jordan River, blah, 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 blah. Did all this stuff to get them in. And they walked away. And a judge was a local chieftain, and there was a cycle. Israel would, re Israel would rebel, and it would go badly, and they'd come under oppression, and, and they would cry out. And God would raise up one of these local chieftains or local judges and, and he would deliver. He would call the people back to God and he would deliver them. One of the 
judges or chieftain was Deborah. So she, in that case, would deliver them. And for a time, they would experience God's blessing. But that judge would die, and the people would fade away, and they'd stop following God, and the cycle would happen all over again. And so Ruth is written in the period of Judges when? We don't know. But with that background, let me start. Now it came about in the days when the judges governed, so there's our historical context, there was a famine in the land. Why the famine? Was this God's judgment? We don't know that. We just know there was a famine. And a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab. Moab is a traditional enemy of Israel. So it's, it's a dire situation. Went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. And the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Milan and Chilion. Epaphathites of Bethlehem and Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. So we just get a very cursory introduction. It's bad. There's a famine. They need to leave. They go to Moab. Uh, verse 3 gives us an idea of who's going to be central and who's not going to be central. Here's what it says. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband. That Elimelech is being identified with Naomi, tells us he's not going to be much of a player in this. And in fact, he's not. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. That's tragic in any case, when a wife loses her husband. But it's more dire, or it was more dire at this time. Because a single woman was very vulnerable. She was dependent either on her husband or adult sons to provide for her. And if she didn't have that, she could be taken advantage of. Fortunately, though she's lost her husband, she has her two sons. Uh, talks about these two sons. They took for themselves Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah. And the name of the other was Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. So these sons marry Moabitesses. You heard me speak before, you know, God does not look favorably on a mixed spiritual marriage where you have one who's a follower of God and one who's not. Apparently, I mean, we don't know the background of these sons, whether they're following God or not. That we, we have, or at least potentially, a mixed marriage. What do you say about that, Pastor? Yeah, I don't know. We don't get much detail. It's never God's desire for his people that a believer would marry somebody who isn't following God. But that's all we know. We know they, they take two women, uh, each one of them want to be their wives, and they're there about 10 years. And then if things aren't going badly enough for Naomi, we get verse 5. Then both Milan and Chilion also died, and the women were bereft of her two children and her husband. Now she's really vulnerable. Now she has no one to watch out for her. No one of male gender at least. And that makes her very, very vulnerable. And if she might find favor, uh, that's clouded by the fact that she's a foreigner. And she thinks, you know, it might be just better if I just headed back to home. And so she makes that decision in verses 6 and 7. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard 
in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in Judah in giving them food. Sir, through the grapevine, there's food there. Hey, I'm a foreigner here. I don't have any uh, male protection. I'm going to go back. And her two daughter-in-laws go with her. So, so what's that about? Are they going back to Bethlehem? Or are they going to see her to the border to make sure she's okay? Uh, what's, what's, what's going on there? Well, if, if you'll notice to this point, we've gone seven verses and we've had zero conversation. We're just getting the facts, just getting the background here. And so starting in verse 8, we have our first conversation. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-laws, go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Hey, hey, hey. Ladies, you, you need to go back. You know, back to your mama's house. And as you go, God bless you. You've been so kind to me. Man, I, I wish the best for you. I wish God's favor for you. God bless you. She has another wish for them in, in verse 9. May the Lord grant that you may find rest where? Each in the house of her husband. She's hoping and praying that God will provide a husband for him. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. So apparently they're parting. But in verse 10, apparently not. And they said to her, no, but we shall surely return with you to your people. Uh Uh-uh, we ain't leaving you. We're leaving our country and going with you. Naomi thinks that's a bad idea. Appreciate the sentiment, but that doesn't make any sense. That's not reasonable. So look what she says in verse 11. But Naomi said, return my daughters. Why should you go with me? Rhetorical question here. Have I yet sons in my womb that I may be your husbands? Look, 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 look. You need a husband, okay? I'm too old. Don't have that in me. I can't provide what you need. You need to go someplace, home, where maybe you can meet a man. And she continues her line of thinking in 12 and, verses 12 and 13. Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons. So she says, let, let, me, let me just go to the hypothetical here. I'm really old. I probably ain't getting married again. But let, let's just say I do. And let's push this hypothetical farther. I get a husband and I get pregnant tonight. We got nine months and then how many years before the kid grows up? You're not waiting that long. Verse 13, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Rhetorical question, no. Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, 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 I'm going I'm to wait till these kids who are just, they're still in diapers until they grow up, even though I'm of marriageable age. No, you're not going to do that. No, my daughters, it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. Okay, so we got all these circumstances that are bad that say you ought to go back, but there's something else. God's hand's clearly against me. You don't want to ally yourself with me because God's removed his blessing and, and you don't want to be caught up in that removal of a blessing. 
So I, I, I appreciate, look, I appreciate the sentiment, but just, just plan on going back to Moab. Verse 14, and they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So Orpah gets it. It's really sad. It's, it's brutally sad, but yeah, that makes sense. I, I just need to go back. But Ruth ain't having it. So Naomi says, verse 15, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return. Hey, look, look. There goes your sister-in-law. Go, go follow her. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth will not. Will not be dissuaded. Look what she says, verses 16 and 17. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Okay? And your God, my God. Whoa, that's a big commitment. You've lived up, you've left a lot of stuff, and now you're going to change people? And you're going to change the God you follow? Really? That's a big deal. She ain't done. Where you die, I will die. And therefore, I will be buried. Thus, may the Lord do to me and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. Whoa. That's serious. I'm not leaving. What do you do if you're Naomi? And you hear that. Check, you're serious about this. When you saw, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Sister, you are serious about this. I got nothing else to say. I guess we're going forward on this deal. couple thoughts there. I don't know that Ruth Leave everything I know, I'm going to follow God. Second thing is, God's people are going to be my people. And that means we leave what we know and we're comfortable with. That's the decision out of which God brings redemption. That's the decision out of which God brings blessing. Twofold. God, you're my God, and your people are going to be my people. So I came to faith as a freshman in college. Got involved in Doran Bible study, came to faith, and, and, and it began a process. But here was my deal for a year and a half or so. I got involved in this group called Campus Crusade, and we, I was in a small group Bible study in the dorm, and we would meet Thursday nights, and we would go do something Thursday nights. And, and I was with God's people, and I, I was good there. 
The problem came Friday and Saturday, and I wasn't in gross sin. But I was among crass people who were saying crude things and we were cutting one another down. And there's all kinds of biblical principles we were violating. And I was spinning my wheels. Not that we don't have friends outside the kingdom, but, but my people were not God's people. So right before the beginning of my junior year, um, one of these people in my peer group, and his family became my second family. He tragically dies in a wreck right before the start of our junior year in college. And my roommate, who's the other key peg in this, he gets a girlfriend kind of, so he, I get ghosted. I guess that's the term. He ghosted me. I never saw him. So, at a university of 30,000 plus people, I feel like I got no friends. And I, by default... God's people had to more and more become my people. God, I didn't have any other friends. It's not like I made this willful decision. I began to grow. Second decision happens first semester, senior year. Only roommate I have that I had any conflict with in, in all the years. And I didn't get married until I was 33. But it was so bad, I, I ended up calling a, a Christian friend of mine who had told me, Andy, we got a, a place in our off-campus apartment second semester if you want in. So I... I had never thought about living off campus, but I called him that night. He said, yeah, it's open, but it's first come, first serve. And I, this decision, it changed my life. I said, put me down. And at semester, senior, I moved in, and uh, he began to uh, disciple me. We did everything together, and we'd come home, and he taught me the Bible. Uh, beyond that, there were um, a bunch of duplexes around that a bunch of crusade guys were renting. So I, I entered this community of believers God's people really became my people. My life began to change. But I was supposed to graduate in May, and I want to go to graduate school, and every one of the graduate schools I applied to turned me down. So about February or March, I'm desperate. I fly to A&M. They take me in the providence of God. I stay there another two and a half years in that community. That changed my life. Where are you in these decisions? God creator is your God. That means he's calling the shots in your life and God's people are becoming your people. Second part I want us to think about in there, I want us to consider the commitment of Ruth. Where you go, I'm going to go. And your people are going to become my people and your God's going to be my God. And, and, and by the way, where you die, I'm going to get buried there. I'm not leaving. See, we're, we're in the midst of a pandemic right now. And it's making connection with others really hard. Everything we know, everything has been blown up. And we're starting a school year and we're coming into winter and who knows what that's going to look like. I don't know. But what we want to talk about as a church is the creative connection challenge. See, the church isn't this building. Not this building, okay? It's not even this service. Not even this sermon. Church is the body of Christ. And we don't need a building and we don't need a service and we don't need a sermon to function as the body of Christ. So here's what we're asking, that you would be committed to making connection with others. Well, Andy, how? I don't know. That's, that's God leading you. So last night we had a um, food truck night. 150 people-ish here. I wish you could have been here. 
To hear the, hey, man, I haven't seen you. How you been? I haven't seen you. How you been? Let, let's not miss that, okay? So then we're setting up for 9 o'clock service out there. And there's some folks that get in about 8.20 and they lay out a blanket. And I think, you know, they're just coming because they want a good seat. This, this sermon is so good. They don't want to miss out. And I said, Daniel, is that what happened? He said, no, Andy, that's not what's happening. <laughs> Took that out of my ball. He said, no, no, no. These people are taking the creative connection challenge seriously. And they've been meeting over Zoom. All these are mothers of they got middle, middle school-ish age kids, late elementary. And they thought, let's take the opportunity. Since we're all going to be there. Let's have breakfast. You bring your own breakfast and we'll meet out there about 8.20. I love it. I love it. That's what we're looking for. What can we do? Where can we take advantage of circumstances to connect with one another? Because we need one another. You and me. That's why we got the Creative Connection Challenge. Would you meditate on Ruth's attitude in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17? God, give me that spirit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to pursue people. Well, Andy, I, I, I'm, you know, I got health issues. All I can do is then you text somebody. I can't get out, then you call somebody. I only feel comfortable outside, then you go walk around in the Holmes Park or, or, or whatever you do. Or you, you get in the driveway and you sit two chairs and you know those driveways are in squares and, and you stay in different squares. I don't know. But would you and me, would we be serious about the Creative Connection Challenge? Back to our text, verse 19. So, they both, that's Ruth and Naomi, went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city had stirred because of them, and the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, husband and two kids, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. It feels bitter. I get it. I don't blame her. I went out full and I came back empty. It feels like God's against me. It's a woman who's lost hope. Any hope for her? Verse 22. So Naomi returned. And with her, Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law. Now catch this. Who returned from the land of Moab? Is that a misprint? Because remember, she was return means I, I went and I came back. She, she's from Moab. Is, is, that a, is that a scribal error? Is that a copy error? What, what, what's the deal there? That's a foreshadowing. That Bethlehem will become Ruth's home. And one more little detail. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. You know what? There's going to be food. We've got just enough to know God's not done here. God's not done here. And we'll spend the next three weeks finding out what God does. Looks pretty bleak right now for Naomi. Went out full. Came back empty. Don't have anybody to watch over me. Single woman. No, no, no protection. I'm vulnerable. But God's not done. So we're asking this question. Where's our hope? Man, when there's no hope in sight. 
Naomi doesn't have any hope in sight. Here's the deal. God works in our circumstances to accomplish his purposes. God works in his, our circumstances to accomplish his purposes. Let me, let me just a little foreshadow. You know what's going to come out of this? The lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ, is going to come out of this. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that nuts? I went back out full. I came back empty. God must be done. No, no, he's really not. He's really not. Again, that begins with a decision that God's my God. And I mean, I'm using that God is, I mean, he's calling, he's, he's my Lord, he's, he's leading my life, I'm in submission to him. We talked about that in Romans. That's what that's, that's the decision. There's a second thought to this. What God does so uniquely and so specially, he does through two women together. This Lone Ranger Christianity, I do my thing, and it's me and Jesus. That's what we make in college, me and Jesus. No, 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 no. Hey, nothing biblical about that. Ruth and Naomi following God, to, committed to God together, together. God does amazing things. I hope we're serious. I pray we're serious about the creative connection challenge because what God does through people together, in small groups, in big groups, who knows what he might do. This, this looks hopeless. I don't know. God was setting up the lineage of Jesus in this deal. What is it that's breaking your heart? What is it that's robbing you of hope? God isn't done. He's bigger than your circumstance. And through you and others, he wants to work his purposes. So as a little boy, uh, we didn't have a TV. We didn't get a TV in my house until I was 13 years old. And we lived in uh, Massachusetts. I lived up there until about six years old. Um, I had a friend down the street. And this friend introduced me to Batman. It was on Wednesday and Thursday night. Now this wasn't some cheap old lame old Batman like Christian Bale or George Clooney or Michael Keaton. No, 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 no. This was the real Batman. Adam West. And when the things would happen, when the fights would happen, you'd have the pow. Remember that? You have the thing across the screen. Bam. That's the kind of Batman I'm talking about. So I'm six and I'm watching it for the first time and the, the, the villain is the Riddler. Yeah, it's serious. And I heard that groan. And on, on this one, somehow Batman and Robin get overpowered and they get strapped to these Wheels, wheels that are going to go around really fast. And apparently, the force of that will kill him. Kill him. And I am beside myself at six years old because I've just been 30 minutes, but I've really gotten attached to Batman and Robin, and now they're spinning around. And so it's holy circles. Is this the end of the Cape Crusaders? Life spinning out of control or something like that? Stay tuned tomorrow. Same bat channel. Same bat time. And I thought, I'll be back. And so Mark let me in, and I don't know what time it was, 6 or 6.30. And so they give a recap. This is where we are, and they're spinning around, and what is going to happen? And I didn't sleep much Wednesday night. 
And then, somehow, Batman gets to his utility belt. He throws the batarang or something in, and that, that stops the wheel. He's able to get off, and then he stops Robin's wheel, and they, and they, they capture the Riddler, and it all ends well. So I was hooked. But what I learned is there was more stuff in that utility belt than, you know, it was, it, that thing was good for whatever circumstance. And, and then if, if, there's, if the utility belt doesn't work, there's something in the Batmobile. And then there's a Batcopter. And, then, and I just, it took me a while to dawn, but, but Batman's, he's got it all figured out, man. There's no circumstance that he can't handle. It's a comic. But if that were true for Batman, how much more for the infinite God? What, what circumstance is it that you've got that God can't handle? Help, help me out with that. Wait, which one is it? There's some more. And, 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 you know, we can't see it. Just like I couldn't see it that night sleeping as a little boy at six years old. That's like I couldn't see it that night watching that 6'11 basketball player. But God was bigger. And together we find strength to trust that God to believe in him. We'll spend the next three weeks talking about how God pulls us out. What's our hope? When we have no hope. There's no hope in sight. Here's the deal. God works his purpose in our circumstances. Let me pray, and we'll close by worshiping this great God. So, our Lord, we, we are grateful for you. You are um, almighty, bigger than any circumstance. And, Lord, um, Father, Son, and Spirit, you, you model togetherness for us. You model uh, community. Lord, we're in a pandemic and it's, it's hard. But might we be encouraged by, by Ruth's commitment that uh, we're not going to let go. Lord, we be engaging with one another. We might be the church in our community. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.